You are now listening to Black Guy Therapy, a therapeutic podcast. Sometimes you just gotta let the beat play. You know, I was thinking that's that's the quietest intro we've ever had. That was the quietest intro we've ever had. But sometimes <laughs> you just gotta let the beat play because yep. sometimes you just you just gotta vibe, and that was a vibe. Yep. That was a whole vibe. Let it t- let it take you there. Yeah, and it definitely took me there. Like you don't understand when I hear that, I get excited every time. Every time. But anyway, um, shoot, I'm a whole minute in, and we haven't even given the spill yet. Welcome to Black Guy Therapy. This is a therapeutic podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, know that again, we're a therapeutic podcast designed for Black men to list to vent about issues that generally, um, you know, we wouldn't talk about in daily life. Um, or in other words, just a place to be us. So, uh, again, thank you. you. We know you can listen to anybody, but you're here with us. And I appreciate that. Likewise. So, anyway, what's up, Joe? Hey, man. How you doing, brother? Oh, you know, I'm just happy to be here. Just living a dream one day at a time. Getting ready for Black History Month. That's all you can do. Yeah. One day. it. Yeah. How about you? Same thing, man. Everybody still somehow magically has stayed healthy. No COVID. Baby girl, four-year-old, has severe allergies. Not one flare-up this last year. Well, almost a year now since we've been uh, on quarantine um, or just on on that uh, semi-lockdown. No issues, so no scares with her. No complaints, man. No complaints at all. Good. And we have our, our resident doctor in here. Not an MD, but still our resident doctor, <laughs> Gerard here. My How man. You, sir? My man. How y'all doing tonight? Good to Fantastic. See you. Yes, sir. How are you? Hey, man. I'm awesome, man. You know, like you said, everybody's healthy. Um, everybody's working great and, you know, trying to trying to get better each and every day. So we are we're blessed in that, in that manner as well. That's all right. That is super legit. We're missing Henry. But Henry shows up when he shows up. Yeah, I guess I guess he's like the uh, that neighborhood dog. It'll come by when it want to come by. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody know that dog. Guess, Everybody has one of those. I guess that's one way to put it. Yeah, he, he, that's the hardest working man in Nashville. He that's is, all it is. Yeah, <laughs> I take nothing away from him because he be working all the time. Yes. So yes, sir. When he's a millionaire, like stop in his house. That's right. <laughs> <Never> <laughs> But anyway, um, so we're here, and uh, it, it is not Black History Month yet, but it will be when this episode airs. So yes. I figured that it was only right that we start February with a little Black History. Yeah, and and not only Black History, I figured it, we should we should start with some something that is um, relevant. Well, that was relevant then and is still relevant today. Yeah. Right. Um, it's crazy when you start reading or listening uh, about things, the civil rights, the civ- during the civil rights movement. And then you see that these things, there's some parallels today. Right. Yep. So with Black History Month upon us, right, like I said, when this episode airs, it will be Black History Month. Yep. Um, I think we should talk about Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. and not 
just Martin Luther King, right? I know everybody's like, oh, the, that, that's who everybody talks about. I want to talk specifically, more specifically about um, his letter um, from the Birmingham jail. Mm-hmm. So if anybody doesn't know about Martin Luther King's letter from the Birmingham jail, um, on April 12th, 1963, um, he was arrested um, for organizing a uh, demonstration uh, with 50 other protesters um, in in uh, Birmingham, right? Mm-hmm. And <coughs> basically this... this um, this protest was about uh, to, to bring national attention to brutality, race, racist treatment suffered by blacks in one of the most segregated cities in America. In the world. Um, which was Birmingham, <laughs> Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. So um, now it's crazy because this letter, he went to he went to Alabama to, to, to protest nonviolently. Right. And yeah. he was arrested for not for the protest, but. I think that the it was like protesting without a permit or some some nonsensical thing that they arrested him for. He was in jail for eight days, um, but while he was in jail, uh, one of the the trustees at the jail gave him the newspaper, and in that newspaper was a letter from the local white clergyman, so your preachers and whatnots, mm-hmm. who who were calling for him to stop doing what he was doing. Yes. And yes. they said it wasn't the right time nor the place to do it and that they needed yes. they not they need to not do it. Right. Okay? Right. So not the time. You know? Not the time mm-hmm. nor the place. Not the day. So my man Dr. Martin Luther King said, Okay, I got something for y'all. And he sat down in his jail cell getting some paper from a trustee because he didn't have any paper. They didn't want to give him no paper, by the way. Um, And he wrote what, if you put it in Microsoft Word, an 11-page paper. (laughs) 11-page letter. Um, Now, the only reason I know that is because I took the letter out and I put it in Word so I could highlight it because if you know anything about me, I love, like, black history. Um, and I, I had to highlight it because there was going to be some stuff I need to come back to later. Yes, so, the details. Devil's oh, yes. in the details. Yes, yes. And that's that's me. That's me when it comes to this. So anyway, I gave my fellow co-hosts some homework, and mm-hmm. I made them go out and listen to this. Well. I made them listen. Apparently, that Martin Luther King has a version where he read he read it out loud. And I think that's what I sent him on YouTube. So yeah. they were able yeah, to yeah, listen yeah. to him yep. actually read his letter, which later became like part of a book. So, mm-hmm. so guys, tell me what you learned today. Joel, we'll start <laughs> with you. <laughs> well, there was oh my goodness, there were, there were so many jewels in there that uh, that Dr. King dropped. Uh, one of the things that I love that he said, which is probably not going to directly correlate with what we're saying, but it was I thought it was really, really poignant. He said, when you're in jail, you got a whole lot of time to think. You got a whole lot of time to pray and you got a whole lot of time to write. Speaking to the length of the letter he wrote. So to your point, if you listen to it, it's like 48 minutes. 
yes worth of listening so 11 pages that even sounds like it's light based on how long the uh, the actual content was that i listened to today uh, so that was one thing the second thing that really stood out to me is the the way that he acknowledged the issues that were going on during that time which specifically was around the one word he wanted to highlight which was weight and, and gerard you mentioned that a second ago Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, wait. And and for me, I'm going to come from a different angle. So I'm not going to talk long about this because I'm going to, you know, when, when we kind of bring it back around, connect this to something else that I listened to today. But m- one of my main challenges or, or struggles with America uh, and, and, and people of color, Black folks specifically, is when we start talking Christianity and religion, it's a whole lot of weight, that concept of waiting and the whole lot of concept of just hoping. And while I loved a lot of the stuff Dr. King said, it kind of made me sad because I thought about, and Todd, we've talked about this several times, but we know where Dr. King ended up in terms of what he was thinking mm-hmm. towards yep. the end of his days in terms of feel like I may have integrated my folks into a burning house. So we, we know that transition kind of took place for him mentally, spiritually, emotionally, but to kind of see where it started and suggestively what the people were being told, it's like, dang, all this is based off of this religion that didn't start with us. And I, I, I get this instant feeling where I was kind of like, I was sad listening to it like, man, it's almost like this religion thing controls logic. And I think you can still be logical and religious. So those were the two major things that stood out to me. And I'll shut up right there and then I'll connect all the dots later. Awesome. So let me, let me, and and we were talking about the word weight, right? So let me give y'all the direct quote because you know me, I highlight stuff. Yes. This may take a minute, but I'm going to read it. Here we go. Perhaps it is easy for those who have never felt the stinging darts of segregation to say, wait, but when Mm -hmm. you have seen vicious lynch mobs, I'm sorry, seen vicious mobs lynch your mothers and fathers at will and drown your sisters and brothers at whim, when you have seen hate-filled policemen curse, kick, and even kill your black brothers and sisters, when you have seen, when you see the vast majority of your 20 million Negro brothers smothering in an airtight cage of poverty in the midst of an affluent society, when you suddenly find your tongue twisted and your speech stammering as you seek to explain to your six-year-old daughter why she can't go to the public amusement park that has just been advertised on television and see mm-hmm. tears welling up in her eyes when she's told that Funtown is closed to colored children and <clears throat> see ominous clouds of inferiority, inferiority beginning to form in her little mental sky and see her beginning to distort her personality by developing an unconscious bitterness towards white people. When you have a when you have to concoct an answer for a five year old son who is asking daddy why do white people treat colored people so mean, when you take a cross country drive and find it necessary to sleep night after night in the uncomfortable corners of your automobile because no motel will accept you, when you are humiliated day in and day out by nagging signs reading white and colored, when you first <clears throat> when you first name when your first name becomes nigger and your middle name becomes boy however old you are and your last mm-hmm. name becomes john john 
<laughs> and your wife and your mother are never given respected title of Ms. Mrs. or Mrs. Um, when you are harried by the day and haunted by the night, uh, by the fact that you are Negro living constantly in a, in a tiptoe stance, never quite knowing what to expect next, and are plagued with inner fears and outer resentments when you are forever fighting a, a degenerating sense of nobodiness, then you will understand why we find it difficult to wait. Mm. That's long. Mm. <laughs> but it's, it's important. It's important. Every sentence meant something. Yes. Yeah. For people at that time who was reading it, and if you didn't know, now you know. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, Gerard, what do you what what do you think? Uh, just you know, just listening to it, it was, you know, you know, I heard him heard his speeches, but you know, this this one letter, you know, it just puts in in the aspect his his brilliance in writing things and his brilliance in in, in counteracting the the speech of the clergyman who sent the letter to him. He kind of goes through step by step like everything that they said why he should wait and why this is a why this is bad that he's doing it and he does it in such a even though these people are oppressing him he does it in such a thoughtful manner and you know even respectfully like this is why we cannot wait any longer and this is why we tried to wait and um no one is listening to us and there's no action being followed through when we are telling you something's wrong and you're not listening so he was was very thoughtful and very eloquent in how he, he he wrote about the things that are going on in the, in the time that he was it was going through at the time, and it was so well thought out. Like I mean, I like things that are very like this is what you said, and this is why not. This is what you're saying, and this is why that doesn't make much sense. And yes. so it did like struck down everything. And if you were the clergyman, if you read that, there was he 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 destructed everything that you said. Like he was in a like a law class, or if it was a um, in, in the court of law, it's like just, just took it down step by step and, and let them know, like even from a religious point of view, you are you're hindering your African-American brothers and sisters right now. And, you know, we ask for your help. But now we have to do what we have to do, um, mm-hmm. you know, in a nonviolent approach. But we're still going to do what we have to do. And it was, you know, it just brought you back to some things, you know, that you see and hear today. Um, kind of that still that, that same type of struggle of um, and and uh, how they, they they treat black people in this day and age, you can just see some of those same same things kind of come out today on how government sets up ways to hold uh, African American community back. Um, it's not as much as it is now because we've seen some improvement, but it's it's still there when you look behind that curtain. He kind of yes. pulled back the curtain from a lot of things at that time, and he. Uh, and uh, they're still, we're still pulling back that curtain today um, to get to the bottom of what happened for so many years. So it was, I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, just reading from a man, he was a genius and genius level guy when you read about him and how intelligent he was from such a young age. And you just, you can see that in the writing. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you know, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Todd. So I was just going to say, he wrote that letter like he was writing an email to somebody and he had to be like, nice about it yeah but, yeah but like, yeah <laughs> he wrote it he yes. wrote it in such a way where it's like i'm a i'm a dog you but i'm gonna be nice about it exactly yes yes <laughs> and and i'm glad you bring that point out because there, there's two things i want to point out right here real quick one i thought it was also very very important how we pointed to 
those white clergymen that he was disappointed in because his assumption was if we all talking about we love God, then we should all be trying to achieve the same things. So when they were even talking to him about, so are you saying it's okay to follow some laws, but not others? And his was, well, there are some laws and then there are some laws that completely contradict my level of morality. There are just laws and unjust laws. Yes. And that's what he said. But I, and I wanted to make it plain by saying morality. That's yeah. why I did that on purpose. Yeah. But his point was, hey, I follow the law. I have no issues with it until these laws are created that, again, contradict basic morality. And, and, and to his point, and, and I do agree with this, segregation, being segregated to your own, like forcefully by nature, that has to be wrong. There, I, I can't understand or see anywhere in life where legally this is what it is, where that's right. And I agreed with him one million percent there. And the fact that he was calling those other clergymen who practiced the same religion as him out, I thought that was super important because, again, that connects to where we are today. And, and yeah. Todd, I know I mentioned this story several, several episodes ago, uh, but my wife, I and my two children attended a church here in Antioch, and it became extremely apparent to us that it was a similar scenario where the majority of the parishioners or the members basically pretended like none of these issues existed, especially not here. No, there's nobody in these four walls that thinks this way or acts this way, but stuff kept happening that proved the opposite. And I think that's what Dr. King was calling out, which is amazing to me. But you also said something that I think is really, really, for me, which stood out, which is when he wrote that letter, he was dogging people out, but in such a kind way. Yeah. And he was being yeah, no nice doubt. about it. And, it. and for me, my challenge is like, dang, like at some point being, being docile, it can't work anymore. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go and kill a bunch of people. Right. But at some point, you have to put your foot down and say, hey, I'm not apologizing. I'm not apologizing because I want equality. And that's what Dr. King spent so much time doing. And not just this letter, but in so many of his writings, making sure to not be offensive to others. And it's like, you're not being offensive if, you're, if, if again, this is in line with your morals, in line with God's word, per your perspective. Why are you apologizing for saying everybody should just be doing the right thing? So that also kind of messed me up a little bit and it connected me to where we are in 21 with churches. And I have such a difficult time with churches because I feel like, I feel like Christianity as it was taught to us. And we talked about the slave Bibles. We talked about how it was leveraged against us back in the day. Mm -hmm. It sucks because you know, it was a tool. Yep. So it's like, where do I separate? the use of the Bible as a weapon against me versus I literally, I just love God. Mm -hmm. How do I separate the two? Because if I'm, if you've done something wrong, even in the Bible, it tells you several times in different ways, God and evil cannot exist at the same time. So dark and light can't be in the same place at once. So why am I apologizing for saying that this is, this is the darkness. I shouldn't be doing that. That right. was a challenge for me. Yeah. See, and, and this is this is what I hoped I could I could get from from you all. Right. Like just to see that we are a we're still fighting 
the same fight that was being mm-hmm. fought years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And and B, we're able to navigate it in such a way where we don't offend people. Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna pull out my my Steve Harvey. Well, <sighs> y'all ain't hit the <laughs> well. When I read it, the radical in me started to come out, and I was like, "Oh God!" Right? Like I'm trying to I'm trying to hold him back. <laughs> but I, I, I think I got through maybe, um, let's see, I don't know, the first sentence <laughs> before mm-hmm. I stopped and had to write stuff down. So he, when he starts his letter out, he, the very first sentence, he's like, while, conf- while confined in this jail, I came across your statements calling my, my present activities unwise and untimely. Untimely. I, yep. I instantly stopped. Right. Yeah. I'm going to tell you why I instantly stopped, because when I'm looking, when I'm doing history, when I'm reading black history or history in general, I look for the parallels of what's going on now, because in in history, you can always like figure out, um, you know, if, if you have a problem now, there may be a way to solve it through the history. Right. Yes. Yep. So, again, read the first sentence. And when I saw unwisely or unwise and untimely, I instantly stopped and I said, holy crap, here we go. What did they say when, when Colin Kaepernick took a knee? Wasn't the right time. It's not the time or the right place. Exactly. Exactly. That's where I went to. And I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is it right here. Mm -hmm. It's the, the controlling group saying when and where is the right time. Yes. And I was like, we're yes. still dealing with that. Yep. Right. So I'm like, how was it? How was it? How was that not the right time or place? But the right time or place was to storm the Capitol. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. Y'all feel me on that? <laughs> yep. Cognitive dissonance. Yes, yeah. sir. I love it. So, man, literally, literally, I stopped and I had to just sit back and take that all in. And I was like, wow, when I'm having conversations with, with people who don't look like me, in those conversations, they, if, if we're talking about anything social justice, um, generally what they say is, well, I don't think that, that this is the right time for that. I don't think this was the right platform for that. I don't think this was the right medium for that. Yep. But what they, but, you know, going back to the, 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 the waiting, right? The, the waiting quote, when is the right time? You, It's like you're telling me to wait. There's never going to be a right time. You're it's, never going to say it's the right time. Exactly. Yes. And if I am waiting and I continue to wait, then then what do you say? That's, uh, you're, you're comfortable yeah. at that point. And, and, and he said something specific about waiting, um, what it becomes. Yeah. Um, Jesus. What do you say? Oh, yeah, wait. So um, justice too long delayed is justice denied. Denied, yes. So I was like, man, are these people, and then I asked a question because I'm I'm always asking questions. When these people are talking to us about these things, when we're talking to people who don't look like us and and we're talking about these things and they say these things, these wait and they should have been done at a different time, do they understand that subconsciously they're telling us to stay in our place? Yes. 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 And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but I don't either. I think me and I was about to say I think me and Gerard were answering the same way. Like, yes, that's exactly what they're saying. Yeah, exactly what they're saying. Yeah, 
Yeah, but I don't know what is in their minds when they say it. But yes, subconsciously, they're telling you, all right now, all right now, darky, colored, whatever, whatever name, this ain't happening. So just shut it down, leave it alone. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's what they do. They uh, like if you're you don't have to deal with issues and then someone else tells you an issue that they're dealing with, you know, some some automatically like I ain't got nothing to do with it. I'm not racist. I, mm -hmm. My parents weren't slaves. So why are you telling me about this? This is not, I just wanted to watch football. Yep. Uh, I just wanted to take a drive down the street. I just yep. wanted to go downtown for a nice night out. And I don't want this in my face because if I it's in my face, I have to deal with it. So yes. I'd rather not have to deal with it. And figured out. So stop. And then Preach. you go back to the clergyman. Going yeah. back to what he said about the clergyman. <laughs> it all yeah. connects, right? Like, and and here's the thing. In full transparency, I don't think that they do it on purpose. I just think that, you know, when you're the ruling class and you know, this is what you've been taught and this is what you've learned, it just comes out, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. That's, that's like if a rich person, you know hangs out with a common person and they say something out of bounds, they don't know. They've never hung out with common people, right? Right. So essentially yeah. it's it's kind of the same situation, I think, right? It's like they just it's yeah. not yeah. they do it on happened, just you know, know. With, with a lot of like you said, rich and poor, just like this whole stock thing that just happened. You know, the rich people are like, oh they shouldn't be able to do that, you know, ruin these billion dollars for this one company or whatnot and then yeah. poor like yeah we can do it what we want to and they're just like no it's not fair yeah <laughs> yeah we're so upset yeah. about that yeah and, so. and and i'll say this too because i think this is an important call out here what we what what i believe what joe believes we still need to be able to do is hold people accountable because ignorance is not an excuse yeah no and and I don't know if you guys remember when the affluenza team became a thing and oh, yeah, it didn't become him. this huge, huge thing like it should have been. But basically this guy got drunk. He got in the car, hit a bunch of folks. I'm pretty sure he killed a couple, but his mom hid him out. They went and they hid out somewhere. Police finally found him, went to trial. They said because of his affluence, his level of wealth and, and, privilege that he came from he didn't understand the consequences of his actions and as a result what became his the penalty for the crime was severely under what it should have been yeah. there should never be a time when you are excused and ignorance be the reason you're excused. And I think that should be across the board. So that's for us too. And, and I, I say that to kind of segue to my next thought or the next thing I wanted to talk about in, in alignment with this, right after I listened to the letters from the Birmingham jail, I listened to Malcolm X battle, I'm sorry, ballot or the bullet, his speech directly after. And what was interesting is that it was funny, Todd, you said like within that first sentence, you had to stop it. Got your attention. Let me take some notes. For me, I, I, it was the opposite. Like as I was listening to, to Martin, I, I felt like I heard so much defeat while he was hitting all, all these points that were so relevant and so timely and so matter of fact, I felt disappointed because it was still like, hey, I'm subservient. I'm begging. I just want you to listen to hear me. And it hurt my feelings because, again, 
everything that Malcolm stood for, I'm sorry, Martin stood for, it didn't matter because the same folks that he was trying to get us to be assimilated with are the same folks that killed him, are the same folks today that be the first at your job to want to celebrate him on MLK weekend. Can't wait to put up a quote. <clears throat> Can't, Can't wait. wait to do it. Yep. Can't wait, but hey, they folks the took him out. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Them terrorist. Yes. So, uh, you know, trying to tear apart America today. Yep. You know. Yep. Which is why they were tapping his phones and they was following him and wound up taking him out. But that's, you know, maybe further on down the line. But when I listened to Malcolm talk, he was like, listen, if we came here with our religion, and I'm paraphrasing, but if we came here with our religion on our sleeve, we would not be able to get anything accomplished. You may be Christian. I may be Muslim. Somebody else may be this and this. If that's what we come here and talk about, we're just going to sit here and argue. We'll never get anywhere. So I'm not coming to you as a Muslim. I'm coming to you as a black nationalist. And then he went on to describe or define what black nationalists meant to him. And he compared it directly to what white nationalists meant. Mm-hmm. And I was immediately captivated by what he was saying from the beginning of the speech. And, and I'll give the quick, quick overview again, definition, black nationalists. All he meant was everything that goes into our communities, we have control over it. We create the businesses. We support the businesses. If politicians want to come to us, we're not just going to allow somebody who's from the outside to come in. We should be able to also groom these folks that become the politicians they live amongst us they understand the struggle they've been through it with us so now when we put them in this position to represent this community they're already equipped with all the information as opposed to allowing somebody who's over here and is a career politician studied in high school college and this is their way of life as opposed to i'm trying to protect my folks this is just how i make my money there's a big difference in mentality around that And and for me, when he said that, it immediately set a standard and a stage for what I believe today, which is there are so many ways to fight this fight. And I don't think that one way is the way you should fight it. We should be fighting it on every level based on what your skill set is. Some people are great speakers. Some are great planners. Some are great uh, uh, folks to be out there doing the, the guerrilla the guerrilla tactics on the street grinding. Some are great to be writing up policy. There's so many jobs. There's so many of us with different skill sets. And I believe that that's what he was speaking to. And the difference for me, the only difference in what Martin and Malcolm were trying to accomplish is the way they were going about it. And the reason why I leaned towards Malcolm was because it was like, hey, there's all these different ways to do it. With Martin, it was, hey, God is the way to do it. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but what I am saying is that the God that we learned came from the same people who oppress us, even in 21. So it's hard for me to connect to that like it is for me to easily connect to Malcolm saying, leave all that stuff at home. Leave it home. When we come here, let's talk about bettering us as a whole. And there's so many different ways we can do it. Let's figure out what your way is of doing it and let's work together to get it done. So that was another challenge for me that came out after listening to that letter. And and it's funny, don't I say it all the time, move like ants, these ants do this job, these ants do that job, these ants do that mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy when you put it when you put it all together like that. Yeah. And and Todd, I'll, I'll throw this in there real quick. The nation actually does move like that. 
Mm-hmm. Wholeheartedly, they do. Wholeheartedly, yeah. <laughs> and that's the that's the sucky part because if we follow suit with and and even though we know we we for the most part we understand what happened with Malcolm and his relationship with the nation, right. that doesn't negate or take away from the fact that there is one goal. All of them are working in their separate lanes to accomplish that goal. Period. And it's all about empowering us with information, knowledge, love of self to be able to get to that next level. Like there is no Malcolm without Elijah Muhammad. He don't exist. Exactly. So I think I think we need to be able to separate the feelings because what happened was in my in my personal humble opinion, they used Dr. King and, and Mark and Malcolm X and they said, pick a side. Martin was the nice guy. Malcolm's the bad guy. He's the one that was in jail because he was a criminal. Martin went to jail because he was just trying to do the right thing. And people wound up choosing sides. And as a result, everybody looked at the nation as this group of heathens, killers, whoremongers, everything bad you can think of. That's what the nation of Islam became, as opposed to, you know what? Whatever the flaws are of human beings, are their flaws. We're all humans. We all got them. Take that out of the equation. What are they trying to accomplish? What was Malcolm? What was Martin trying to accomplish? If at any point you can see where they intersected, how about we pay more attention to that than the differences? And I think, unfortunately, even going back and listening to some of the other content, even I lift, after I listened to Ballad of the Bullet, I listened to Muhammad Ali, about two or three of his interviews right after that. And it's like, man, they use this as an opportunity to divide and conquer black folks. So you had to choose a side. Either I'm going to be nonviolent and I'm going to be passive and do just sit-ins and, and let people knock me upside my head. Or, as Malcolm said, if you're not going to let me achieve my goals through the ballot, then this is going to be this bullet. And he said, you're yeah. over here singing, we shall overcome. He said, you need to stop singing and start swinging. And it, and, it, and it resonated with me because I'm like, it's so true. And it it's is. It's so true. If you, it, it well, I, I guess I was going to say, like you said, obviously they made people choose sides, but um, even when you learn about the two, I, you know, I, I still remember my textbook saying that, like, the Black Panthers were this radical group that, yeah. That, yep. that Malcolm X was this radical black nationalist. Like, and these are words that were in the book, right? And I'm yeah. a child. Right. Right. So yeah. they're saying that the, my people who were fighting for justice for us were radical, but, you know, the people who started the damn Boston Tea Party weren't. Yeah. You know what yes. I'm saying? Like, the Civil War that. weren't. Preach. Preach. Heck, let's go back to the 13 colonies. Why did the colonies decide that they were tired of the British? Right. Taxation without representation. Y'all are not finna continue to get over on us. We're tired of it. And during that Revolutionary War, a whole lot of people died. But guess what? America became America. Right. It's it's just, it's crazy. You think about it like, why are my people radical? But your people are patriots. Preach, preach. Also, how they, you know, in the textbooks, they'll put Malcolm as being radical, but 
back in the day, they called Martin a radical as well. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. The textbooks, you don't see that as Martin being a radical because he's so yes. beloved now. And, yep. uh, you know, they see his ways fit them better. It was less, it was not more nonviolent. So, of course, they want to prop him up. Okay, y'all mm -hmm. look at him for a source of, you know, a deity or some type of one you want to uh, uh, assimilate to. Be like, yes. be like Martin, not like Malcolm. Because yes. he's not a, we don't want to call him a radical right now. You know, put him on the same platform as these other guys. When, you know, you know they were trying to get, like you said, trying to get to the same goal in, in different in different manners. Um, mm -hmm. He was just, back in the day, he was just as radical from the white folks and even some black folks who didn't want to rock the yep. boat um, yep. as, 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 as Malcolm was. So Yep. And, and Gerard, you know what's crazy about what you're saying? I think about, you know, you know, bringing it back to 2021. If Martin and Malcolm were both alive today, right now, who would have a platform? And then I think, like, in the world, the world at large, not just America, but in the world, there are way more colorful people than white folks. Yes. Yeah. Right. So if it got down to the point where it did become this, I'm doing the air quotes, race war, how do you have this war when you are so severely outnumbered? So what do I do? I want to push you towards the side where, hey, nonviolent, we don't want this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like We don't want this fight with y'all. It's too many of y'all. We ain't going to say that. But we don't want this fight. But if we can push you more towards the guy who we say is the nice guy that was nonviolent, do the sit-ins and just do the marches and nonviolence and turn the other cheek as opposed to Malcolm. Because if the world of people of color were like, you know what? We're done. We Let's go. Malcolm. Man, think about that. Yeah, that, that, I mean, Malcolm's uh, character and, 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 and his movement, I think, pushed the uh, you know government to 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 Malcolm somewhat and like we see what they're about so something's gonna happen mm -hmm. so we would rather work with with Martin at this time than yeah. <laughs> work than than have all of them then have him have to have something happen to him without things happening and everybody just go over to uh, Malcolm's thought process yes. you know it turns they know that the tide will turn if things yeah. keep going down this path. Oh yeah, yep. agreed. Um, obviously, I mean, we we see how both of these are interwoven, um, Malcolm and Martin. Um, but I want to I want to go back to something. Okay. I wanted to ask y'all this question. I, I I started this on my paper because I really I wanted to ask you all this question. Have y'all seen? And I feel like everybody's seen it, but I want to ask y'all one of the the most famous quotes that that is always posted by Martin Luther King or that people post by Martin Luther King because Martin Luther King ain't posting nothing. Um, but <laughs> injustice anywhere is, is a threat to justice. To justice everywhere. everywhere. How many, how many places have you seen that over and over and over again? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You've seen yeah. it all. Matter of yeah. fact, where I'm yeah. at right now, it's on one of the walls. Wow. And, and not I, from us. And no, no. To I'm, your point. Yeah. Um, and granted, I'm I'm in Alabama, so it 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 rings true here <laughs> in Alabama because this is where that quote was <clears throat> was said, right? Yeah. But again, when you you we've all seen that quote, 
And I think we all know what it means. But do you know the very next sentence of the quote? Neither one of y'all? No? No, no. Let me hear it. So Malcolm says, and I'm, I'm just going to read the whole thing. He says, I cannot sit idly by in Atlanta and not be concerned about what happens in Birmingham. Injustice mm-hmm. anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Now, the very next sentence, he says, we are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Now, think about that. All mm-hmm. you see is this injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. But mm-hmm. nobody, I think the, the very next sentence is so important because yes. he's letting you know, look, yeah, injustice anywhere is a, is a threat to justice everywhere. But if y'all don't figure this out, you got to understand we're all in this inescapable network of togetherness. It's, yes. we're, it's, we're in this Ubuntu land. Yes. Right? Yes. And mm-hmm. And that's beautiful. I'm glad you pointed that out, Todd, because you know what I think about immediately. I think because we we have to be honest about certain things. I don't know President Barack Obama personally. I get the in in my opinion, I feel like if I met him, I would be like, this is one of the coolest dudes on the planet. I love being around him. I love talking to him. He just seems like that type of dude. Yeah. However, when I think about that representation and that threat to justice, all I didn't expect he would come in and sign a bunch of laws and, and suddenly make it so that black people was on top and white people on them. That wasn't my expectation. All I ever wanted was for it to be like, you know what, as a man of color, I can say these things without trying to put an action to them to where the world is upside down based off of the realities of it you know what i mean like let me just say the truth even though i'm here as a biracial man half of me is white half of me is black even though that's the case i can still point to the legitimate injustices of the world and my issue has always been is i don't know if that happened enough and i wasn't looking for Again, legislation to be changed, for executive orders to be signed. I didn't need any of that. I needed for him as the champion of people of color, because we we negated the fact he was biracial. He was a black man, period. That's all we ever said. Yep. All, all I ever wanted was just to be on TV. And when your, your associate, I don't know how close they were, Henry Louis Gates locked himself out of his house, gets arrested. You get on TV and say the officers acted stupidly for you to not have to double back off of that. Have them over to the White House and drink beers with them in the lawn and basically give that 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 apology for the world to see. So they know that this black man can't chastise these white folks. I wanted to see the opposite in the actions and the behaviors that's all i cared about the representation does matter and because there was that injustice that happened even in that scenario it happened everywhere yeah yeah that was a challenge for me so i and and again i know it sounds crazy i love what president obama stood for in our culture i love it seeing that dude even now getting out there with the mask on and hitting that three I love to see that yeah, because it, yeah, it resonates with me 
as a man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't feel like I was able to get that same feeling during his eight years. That's my challenge. And and I'm worried that that Kamala Harris, Madam Vice President, I'm worried that it's going to be the same thing. That's my fear. And I feel like that is the threat to justice. And, and again, you know, either way, we're all caught in the inescapable network of yes. mutuality. Yes. So, yes, sir. You know, and, and what do you say? Tied in a single garment of destiny. Mm-hmm. Man. So you think about that again, everything you said is going to affect me, you and you like, you know, whether, whether we think it will or not. Yes. Preach. Yeah. Preach. I look at that really strong with that sentence of whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. I think about the whole uh, George Floyd thing that happened, you know, mm-hmm. this past year over the summer. It's um, like waiting, like if you don't want you to wait. And all that comes directly back to this same quote, because what happened to George Floyd, you may not think that you were going to feel it. But when, you know, when this happened, and like with Breonna Taylor, when all these people out in the streets burning things and, you know, you're turning over cars and things and you have all these protests and demonstrations. That is what you will feel indirectly at yes. times. You're yes, going to feel directly or indirectly. And then now you're going to have to deal with it at your job because it's on the news all the time. So you got to yep. talk about it. Now yep. corporations are having to make changes and put up stances, even if they won't want to or not, they're forced to. Um, you know, police departments are having to have these conversations. Um, you know, your job is coming to you and asking, like, what can we do better? You know, so everything that happens, if you if you don't want this type of thing to happen, even with Colin Kaepernick, I bet they wish someone would have kneeled now after all the riots and all the things that happened. Because yep. yes. you wanted him to wait. Yes. And he tried to tell you then. But when, when, when things wait, things get even more riled up. And mm-hmm. you could have just been like, yeah, we, we understand what you're saying. We want to work with you. But see, this is kind of effect. Like you didn't want to work uh, with Martin. You wanted Malcolm to come out. And that's kind exactly. of what we yeah. got to at this point. And you're going to feel it. Like you have to feel something when you disrespect people and for this long. And yes. Yes. indirectly or directly, you're going to feel, feel it. Right. And yep. it's so timely. Yeah. And yeah, as black people, I mean, Hell, it, it's crazy. I, I go back to direct quote from Dr. King. You, when you're a Negro leave, living constantly at a tiptoe stance, never quite knowing what to expect next, and are plagued with inner fears and outer resentments, when you're forever fighting a degenerate, de- degenerating sense of nobodiness, then mm-hmm. you'll understand. Yes. Yeah. And yes. They, will not, they will never understand that. Never. And, and man, I'm so glad you just said that. That is my problem. Because because I've talked about it on here before at my job, I've been asked to basically roll out our supplier diversity program. So we found out that at our organization, out of the millions and hundreds of millions of dollars that we spent with our suppliers, what percent do you think went to diverse suppliers? Diverse is broad. That's veteran, women owned, LGBT minority how much do you think went to just diverse suppliers out of that hundreds 700 plus million i'd say less than five percent one percent 
Wow. Now, separate that 1% pie between those groups. I just, I only named four. Yeah. LGBT, women, minorities, black, and then veterans. 1%. They, we can have these conversations. We can put all these movements in place. We can do all of this work and it's fantastic. But guess what? You will never understand. Now, because I know that you will never understand because what Dr. King said is 1 million percent facts. How do I now proceed? And that's where, again, I, I take it back to my bringing up Malcolm X. That's where I lean more towards what Malcolm X was saying. Martin was, hey, we got to keep on fighting and fighting and fighting until you understand. We want to be together. We want to work together. If somebody does not want you, it's so weird that in every other facet of life, we understand that if somebody doesn't want you, we accept it. When it comes to race relations, we just can't accept it for some reason. If a girl tells you right now to your face, dude, you are whack. Leave me alone. You ain't finna keep chasing her. Back up. Yeah. However, people can tell you, we don't want you in our stores. We don't want you in our restaurants. We don't want you in our politics. We don't want you in your neighborhoods. And we're still begging. But we'll argue with each other about simple stuff. To mm -hmm. me, that is crazy. Yeah. And I want to say this real quick. Um, because we're talking about Malcolm and Martin. So towards the end of both of their lives, um, remember Mal uh, Martin was like, I, I, I understand and I see what Malcolm is doing. Mm -hmm. And we may be able to take some of those principles moving forward. And, yes. And remember, Malcolm, who got kicked out of the nation, right, mm -hmm. realized, like, wait, it ain't just, it ain't us against them. We all in this together. Because remember mm -hmm. when he went to Mecca, he saw white Muslims and black Muslims and all that. Mm -hmm. Whereas before he was you thinking it was just black people. Yep. So when he realized we can do this together, he started, and I'm going to say this loosely, adopting um, those Martin principles, right? Yes. And then what happened? Executed. Yep. What happened to, what happened to, to Martin when he started trying to adopt Malcolm? Campaign, you know what I mean? Once that, once all that started kicking off. Yeah. You know, Everybody got executed. Yep. Yep. Never forget that the heroes in America, or let, let me let me go back and I'm not even gonna say it like that. never forget that some of our heroes in America are executed by the state. Yeah. And that's by design. Yes. Preach. I'm just Preach. Saying. some of those things you when I was younger, it's like, oh, is that a conspiracy? Then you start hearing more and more about it as you age and grow up and more documents are released you realize it was purposeful and with a cause you didn't want the black messiah to come you didn't want they were scared of it mm -hmm. and they did everything they, they could to destroy this person like they tried to destroy this person's life so that they couldn't fight for just equality and that's the hardest thing for me like these people are just wanting to be treated fairly and equally they're not asking for anything over and above that we just want level playing field we just want to be treated and left alone we don't want to have to like what martin said drive you know we can't stay in a hotel we don't want to you know 
have to go to a different gas station for someone else. You won't go through sundown towns. We just want to live our life without having to worry about you threatening me just because yes. I'm there to live and just be yes. there. Yeah. That's yes. all we're asking for. So the fact that they try to destroy someone for wanting that very simple thing is just unbelievable to me. When you just think about what they're asking for, I'm just, you know, what, what are we asking for here? You know, equality. Yeah. 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 But it, it, it puts into perspective too, for me, at least it puts into perspective this one thing. And I, I say it all the time. I stand by it. There's two pieces to this. The first piece is America suffers from a heart condition. Racism is all about heart and less about black, white, all it's heart condition. That's the first piece. The second piece, if we wanted to do better and to be better, we could. Yeah. Yes. So that means we are consciously making a choice to not be better. Consciously. Consciously, and, and you know, you know, like, and this is why I love talking to athletes because we get this. If I make a mistake and it was just like a reaction, because sometimes you got to react quick and you can make the right choice or a bad choice, right read, bad read, shoot the shot or not shoot the shot, whatever it is, it has to happen quickly. That's one thing. If it's a timeout and you come in and you're like, all right, on this play, I'm doing this. I don't care what they said. This is what I'm going to do. That is a conscious decision and you done messed everything up because you made a conscious decision to not follow the game plan. Everybody can resonate with that, but they can't resonate with the fact that the oppressive nature of America has made a conscious decision to find new ways to continue to be innovative, creative, oppressive in its nature towards people of color because it does not want to relinquish that power. It does. That's, That's crazy. Like what you, I love how you said that. Like it's, they create ways. It's not yeah. like it's just what, what it is, what it is. It's no, like you, you're thinking in a, in yes. a room full of your peers. Yes. How can we slow them down? How can we prevent them from getting ahead? Like, no. it's not just like if they do what they do, they don't know. How can we actively yes. <laughs> I don't know if either one of y'all have been following this, but since um, since the storming of the Capitol, the insurrection on Capitol Hill, mm -hmm. um, state legislatures are, are now starting to make laws, um, oh, yeah. laws where, matter of fact, one that's, that's going through in a lot of states or is trying to be passed in a lot of states is where they can throw out ballots, like throw out the, the results of an election if they feel, you know, just a feeling that something wasn't right. And oh. So think of, and, and again, going back to that quote, like, we're all intertwined, right? Mm -hmm. Who's it going to affect? They know who it's going to affect. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, exactly. you know. Well, and, go ahead. Go ahead. It, I, no, no, point. no, I know. It's, it, it's the end of the line for us. I know. <laughs> I'll be quiet. I'm going to zip it. Well, no. Black History Month is right around the corner. Go ahead. Go I mean, ahead. You, you got a minute. You can okay. get it done in a minute. Yeah, I can get it done quicker than that. All I was going to say was the unpopular opinion is this. We are still hinging our hopes on a government that was built on our backs. 
we have got to stop depending on that system that was created to oppress us. We've got to start depending on each other. Simple as that. All right. You heard him. Um, so I, and I, we're running out of time. Literally, this was a great conversation. And, yes. and the funny, oh, or the ironic thing about it, I wouldn't even say it's funny. I think we probably hit maybe the first two pages of, of that's it. <laughs> <laughs> like literally the first two pages. Yep. We yep. just, just off two or three quotes, right? Like yep. trying to break it down. Um, I will say this. I don't know. Obviously black history month is upon us. Right. Um, there's a movie coming out. What's it called? Is it called black Messiah? Um, yes. So um, it's called, um, Judas and the Black Judas Messiah. Judas and the Black Messiah. Judas yeah. and the Black Messiah. Yeah. So obviously, it's going to talk about Fred Hampton. Fred. Uh, yep. So mm-hmm. that that's going to be our next homework, guys. Uh, yeah, revolutionary. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. That's going to be our <laughs> yes. next homework. We're going we're gonna, I'm going to send out the marching orders for that here later this week, and we're going to talk about yeah. that. And like again, like I said, the freaking sometimes the hero was was killed by the state, and we know for a fact he was killed by the state. Oh and yeah. His family was paid restitution. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know they don't pay people for no reason. So uh, facts. Also, facts. Martin's family, Martin Luther King's family, was paid too uh, yep. by the federal yeah. government. So yep, that's Brianna Taylor's too. Up. Yeah, but that's that's just along the line of history. Yep. Anyway, anybody got anything to say as we close out? Um, you know, just you know, I think as the years go on, you just realize how. Uh, like impactful Martin and Malcolm were together to our our stance right now. I, I mean, I watched the movie the other night, the uh, um, One Night in Miami. I don't know if you guys mm. have that yet. seen it yet. I mean, it's so powerful it. and impactful. We might just have to have a talk about that too because it was one night how it changed the lives of those four men um, forever and uh, just how impactful those black men were to our lives today and some of the struggles we go through and um, adding Martin Luther King on top of that, it's uh, endearing, you know, that we, we need to have those same type of thoughts and, 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 and things to carry, carry forward what they, what they started off with, because we still have a long ways to go and fight for equality as far as equity. Um, that's yeah. kind of the coin term that I've been seeing now is it's, just, it's equity, what we equity. really need. Yeah. Yeah. Joe. That's good. Dry, thank you for that. Hey, real quick question, Dry. Was uh the four characters, it was Martin, Malcolm, Muhammad, and Jim Brown? No, it was um Malcolm, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, and it was a singer. Uh uh uh, uh Sammy Davis? Jr. No, not Sammy Davis. Uh, uh the dude that uh, sings Change Gonna Come. Yeah, Sam Cook. Sam, Sam Cook. You're right. Yes. Sam Cook. Yes. Okay. That's who it was. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna check that out. Thank you for bringing hey, that back up. Hey, I it, forgot. Was, yeah, it was powerful. Like we yeah. watched it, and it was, it was right on time. Man, just it was one night, but so much happened in that one night that changed the trajectory, kind of their lives, um, as well. And you can just see that from the film. And so, okay. yeah, please yeah. check. I'll do that. So my last thought is going to be similar to every, almost every other one of my last thoughts I've ever had on BGT over the last year and some change. We have got to do a better job of depending on one another. 
the only way I can depend on you, only way you can depend on me is the Ubuntu theory. That's newer to the BGT podcast, but if it really is about I am because you are, man, if that's really our motivator in life, we can get some serious things done. If I care more about what happens for you than just what happens for me alone, we can get somewhere. So that's my last thought. And there it is. I'm a, Obviously, I'm going to have some homework for y'all later, but um, you've heard the church announcements. Um, this, with Black History Month, with this being Black History Month, we are going to try to do things like this, um, analyze some 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 um, quotes and, mm-hmm. and documentation from some of the people that we we, we look up to. So, um, you saw American Skin too. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, yes, have seen that. That's a, that's a whole conversation there too. So, yep, we can have one about that too. That'd be good. This would be good for that. That this month. <laughs> wow. um, but anyway. We are over yeah. the time, so um, nobody else has anything else to say. I don't think. Yep, quiet. So, <laughs> um, we out. Peace. Right.